If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I know what time it is. I know. I know. The pastor needs to say that because I'm aware that everybody else knows right now what time it is. I used to sit where you sit, and I looked at my watch. Frequently. Just kidding. No, I'm not. I did. Um, last week, we, uh, we didn't get very far in this chapter, but we got a long way into teaching. And uh, because we, we were on verse 1, where it says, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. And remember last week, we spent a great deal talking about what that means, being separated to the gospel. That, and, and I'm just going to kind of uh, boil it down to, we want, it's really not about who's your daddy, it's who's your mama. Yeah. Remember, we went over to, to uh, Galatians and talked about uh, the, the children of Hagar are the are bastards, and the children of uh, Sarah are children of promise. Yes. And Paul talked about when he, by the grace of God, was called from his mother's womb. He was not talking about his his earthly mother, his biological mother, he was talking about the mother of legalism, the mother of the law, and called into God's grace. Hallelujah. Separated unto the gospel. Uh, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get that teaching, to, to uh, uh, get the podcast, and, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful teaching. And, uh, and then verse 2, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, and we looked at Various places in the scriptures where Jesus was promised that first beginning in Genesis chapter 3 where God told the serpent that, that uh, I will put enmity between her seed being Eve's seed, capital S, which was prophesying of Jesus and your seed. And we later on found out those two seeds in a face-off in John chapter 8 when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you are of your father the devil. Religion is the seed of the devil. And Jesus is the promised seed that would crush that head. Hallelujah. And by the grace of God, it has happened and is continuing to happen. Romans chapter 1, now verse 3. We're going to get into some new things tonight. Uh, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David. Everybody say seed of David. According to the flesh. Now, this, this chapter, I mean, these first few verses alone are so chock full of great revelation that that's why we're going to walk slowly through parts of Romans and this, this area specifically because it's important that so much of what we believe is found in these phrases and we have to dig a little deeper to see what that means. Okay, he's the seed of David. Why is that important for us? Jesus couldn't be of the seed of David if he didn't actually have Mary's Flesh, because Mary was of the seed of David. The seed is not referring to a spiritual heritage. No, this says according to the flesh. And that's important for us, and I'll explain to you why that is. Um, the Greek word here for seed is... Um, are there any children in here? Okay. Well, just look it up in your strongs. Um, It's the seed of the man, all right? And many false 
religions hate this idea that Jesus, that God became flesh. Agnosticism, deism, dualism, they all hate the idea, the thought that Jesus, that God came. Remember, we talked about this some time ago on a Sunday morning, that the apostle John, in the first epistle of John, was making the defense for Jesus being in the flesh. And I just want to read a couple of verses. John, 1 John 1, uh, verse 1 says, uh, that which we... Oh, my iPad went off. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Verse 2, that the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Hallelujah. And then later on in chapter 4, verse 2, uh, the Apostle John says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. All right? The fact that God became a man, that he became flesh, has been attacked for centuries. They were dealing with it. The apostles were dealing with it all the way back then. And it's still even today. There was, there's only one way that Jesus could be of the seed of David, that he got his flesh from his own mother. Some would argue that Mary's blood was tainted with sin, so there's no way that, uh, that Jesus had her blood. Listen, that's just not true. Because you did not get your sin nature from your mother. Ladies, you had a real good opportunity to shout amen right there. <laughs> no, they're, women are carriers. They're just not infectious. Yeah. All right? They're carriers of sin nature, but they don't pass down the sin nature. All right? They have it, but they don't pass it on. Just like the dirt does not determine what kind of plant is going to grow. It's the seed that's in the dirt that determines the kind of plant that's going to grow. And everyone on this planet was born a sinner because Adam planted a sinner's seed. You getting this? So from the moment that we were conceived, we were in desperate, great need for a Savior. It didn't began that way. That wasn't the original purpose before sin came. God, God wanted you to associate with and, and understand and to see yourself as a champion. Think about how it happens. I mean, the very fact that you exist right now is proof that you won the million man, million contestant race to the egg. Yeah. All right? You were in a race of a million contestants, and you won. <laughs> Hallelujah. You were conceived a champion. Yeah. Amen. Now, genetically speaking, the mother does contribute in the making of the blood in the child. Now, we know that, that during gestation, there is no mingling of the blood, but on a, on a molecular level, her blood affects the blood type of the child, as does the father. Doctors used to believe that only that the child only uh, had the father's blood, but now it's been proven, um, especially with DNA testing and those kinds of things, that both parents contribute to the child's blood. And that's important. Why? When both sides contribute to blood, 
That's what makes a covenant. If we don't have a man and God connected in blood, ladies and gentlemen, we don't have a covenant. The blood that Jesus shed at that cross means nothing if he wasn't both God and man. Are you catching this? Scripture says he was of the seed of David according to the flesh. Hey, Jesus didn't have a sinful nature because his father's seed was not a sinner's seed. His father's seed was the word. And when that word came to that little virgin girl by the name of Mary, in Luke it says this, Behold, you will conceive in your womb. I believe it's at that moment that Mary conceived Christ. When the word was sent, that that word came into her life, into her womb, and she became pregnant with God in the flesh. Wow. What an extraordinary thing. It's important that we know this power. What does the seed of David mean? It means we have a covenant with God. That's what it means. The truth is we don't have a gospel to preach if Jesus isn't of the seed of David. If he's not God, then he can't save you. If he's not man, he can't save you. But hallelujah, he is the son of God and the son of man. Can I get a good amen? That was worth coming to church for right there. Let's go to verse four. We're all the way to verse four, guys. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Man, can this guy put words together? Declared to be, back to four, declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. The power was according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Let me just say this. We'll listen to your prophet whenever he comes back from the dead. But until then... Your religion is utterly void and dead. All right? The moment he raises from the dead, well, listen. Matter of fact, the guy who raises from the dead, he gets the first to declare his opinion, does he not? Huh? He has the right to speak. Now watch this. His holiness was confirmed by his resurrection. Let me say it like this. The wages of sin is death, but the wages of holiness is resurrection from the dead. Woo! He couldn't stay dead because he hadn't sinned. He was innocent. He was holy. That means death had no power, no ultimate power. He had to come back to life. Glory to God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is good news for us. You know why? Because he is holy now. You are holy. That's why you have a hope for a resurrection someday. That's why death will not have an ultimate hold on you, though this body will grow old and though this body will die. If the Lord doesn't tarry and take us home, that's the process of life. But that is not the end. Hallelujah. First Corinthians says, we do not weep like those who have no hope. Those who have no hope are in death forever. They're separated from God forever. But hallelujah, there's a day when Jesus Christ will split that eastern sky and with the voice 
of the, uh, of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with those who are dead. They will come up out of their graves, and so we will meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is our hope because of this holy seed that is planted in our lives. Jesus made us holy, not us, but he made us holy. And it was that spirit of holiness that was demonstrated in power by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1. It says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Think about that. Jesus chose you. God chose you in him in love. Love that covers a multitude of sins. The kind of love that keeps no record of wrongs. Love that casts out all fear. Love that bears all things. Love that believes all things. Love that hopes all things. Love that endures all things. And ultimately, love that never fails. He loved you into holiness. And in love, you are holy and without blame before him. And if that's settled with God, it needs to be settled in your heart. Yeah. All right? Amen. It needs to be settled in your heart that in his sight, I love the way Colossians says it, in his sight, you're holy and blameless and above reproach. In his sight. Yeah. Hmm? The only way you can get that in your sight is to believe it. Because you can't reason your way there. You'll reason your way all the way to your failures. All the way to the reason why you don't measure up and why you can't and what you did. No, you got to see yourself the way God sees you. Hallelujah. Say it. I'm holy. I'm blameless. I'm above reproach in his sight. Yeah. Amen. Verse 5. Man, we're moving fast through this book. Through him, through him, we have received grace. I love that. And apostleship for obedience to. Th- wow. Grace and apostleship. Now, for those of you who have been trying to figure out what your ministry is, I want to encourage you tonight to stop trying to figure out what your ministry is because grace will bring you your ministry. Okay? Grace will bring it. You just need to let grace bring it to you. Lean on the grace of God. I can't, nor can this church, establish a ministry for you. Grace has to do that for you. All right? Grace will show you a need. It's, as Brandon said tonight, it's God's favor to you. Grace is what establishes you and I as sons. Wow. Grace is what establishes us as sons. That is, it helps us no longer feel like we're on the outside. We have a greater understanding of who we are now by God's grace, that we're not slaves that we're not beggars trying to get in good graces with God. Maybe if I'll just pray enough, maybe if I'll beg enough, God will finally hear what I'm saying. No, you're a son. You walk into the throne of grace, how do he say? Boldly before the throne of grace. Act like you own the place because you do. Yeah, amen. So when you're established in grace, then you won't feel the need to do something for God. No, God will reveal to you your partnership with him by grace. Because the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, we're not working for God, we're working with him. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Because we're no longer slaves, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Listen, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Obedience to faith. Huh. Say this with me. I am called to obey faith. I'm called to obey faith. See, faith is seeing things how God sees them. It's God's perspective. And when you get in line with what God sees and what God says, then you are in faith. It's that substance of things hoped for, the evidence of those things not seen. While we don't look at the things which are seen, because the things that are seen are temporary, we look at the things that are not seen, because the things that are not seen are eternal. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? How do I not look at the things that I can see, but look at the things which I can't see? That's kind of confusing by faith. That's the only way you can do it. Faith is that realm beyond the sensual realm. Faith is seeing how God sees them. That is, he sees you holy, as I said earlier. He sees you blameless. He sees you blessed. God sees you favored. God sees you prosperous. And anything that is not of faith fights that truth. Fights those truths all the time. You know, we've done lots of ministry in India, and I've had people tell me, well, you know, you can't go preach prosperity in India. That won't work over there. That's, you, can't, you can't preach prosperity overseas. You can't? Well, where was the Bible written? Some people think it was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, wasn't the Bible written overseas? Kind of worked well for us, didn't it? But people say things like that because they heard some... But oh, I'm going to be nice. Somebody else say that. And so it kind of sounded spiritual to them. You know, how many of you found out that when you thought you were spiritual, you were just stupid? You know, that's why I love the word of God. It just it'll just help us. It'll just work the stupid right out. I'm completely stupid without it. That's the truth. It without it and Heather. <laughs> Verse 6. Among whom also you are the called of Jesus Christ. Say this with me. I am called. I am called. All right. You are the called of Jesus Christ. Everybody's called. Everybody is called. Everyone is called. To all who are in Rome, let's just say all who are in McKinney, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, this is just the greeting. Now, quickly, I just want to say just those two things, that theme that we see in Paul's writings continually, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. He opens his letters with it. He closes his letters with it. He opens them with it. Why? Why? Is he trying to tell us something? Hmm? You think if he's saying it that many times that we should... Pay attention to that phrase and not just see it. Well, that's Paul saying hello. No. Grace and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace is the word charis, C-H-A-R-I-S. I love this word. It means that which affords joy, pleasure, 
delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness. Isn't that beautiful? Haven't we had enough of that which is not lovely? Huh? Especially in the church. Haven't we had enough of that which is not kind and not of goodwill? Hmm? And then peace. Now, we've talked about this many times, but i got to say it again, okay? It's the Greek word erene, E-I-R-E-N-E, erene. It's a beautiful word. It means exemption, exemption from the rage and havoc of war, a state of national tranquility. Exemption from the rage and havoc of this world cries out for peace, but this world will never know peace. Apart from Jesus Christ, it's never going to happen. How many peace accords have been written and broken? Hmm? There's the continual rage and havoc of war. Why? Because men who are not submitted to God try to be God. And that's the turmoil that has come to planet Earth. A state of national... Remember remember what the devil told them in the beginning. If you eat that fruit, you'll be like God. When the Apostle Paul declares grace and peace from God our Father in the Lord Jesus Christ, think about this for a moment. He is speaking on behalf of God. He's speaking on behalf of of the nation of heaven to the nation of men, there's an end to the rage and havoc of war that was once between heaven and earth. Now there is a state of national tranquility. Hallelujah. Does that bless you? Now let's go to verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Now think about that. This is before social media. (laughs) If other people aren't going to speak of your faith, there's a good chance you're going to tweet about it. All right? I'm just saying it's easy with that worldwide access. They didn't have all that back then. Their faith has been spoken of throughout the whole world. How is that possible that your faith could be spoken of throughout the whole world? Well, there's only way, one way. Your faith actually has to be doing something. <laughs> that, means, that means you're out declaring things. You're saying, I mean, what, a, what an advantage we have through social media to let our faith be known. Hmm? Hey, church, let's quit ranting on social media. Let's encourage others on social There's enough people saying stuff that nobody cares about anyway. Let's say something that means something, huh? Yes. Amen. I, I get on there sometimes and I'm just like, did people not have lives? They seem to get up from that computer and walk out and look. There's a real world out here. You know, you see things like, why, dot, dot, dot. Just so people, what's wrong? <laughs> come on. Christians, come on. Huh? Let's be bigger than this. We have a Savior, we have a message, a gospel that will save people's lives. Yeah. Amen. Huh? We've got a love to give to the world. Give an answer. Right. 
Encourage, build, strengthen, pray for. Don't just tweet people you're praying for them. Actually pray for them. Amen. Yeah. All right, I'll get off my soapbox now. Okay. I mean, I think it's a wonderful thing, but it's so terribly abused. When it can, it's such an avenue for us to declare this great message. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You still love me? Amen. Your faith has to be, it's not that we just go to church. And I, hey, church is a good thing. <laughs> As a pastor, people coming to church is a really good thing. I want to encourage you to continue to come. All right? Because that in and of itself really is a testimony. It is. It is a testimony that you have a custom, if you will, or a manner of being in the house of God. I want to read one last scripture to you, and then I'll finish up tonight. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. And let us consider, verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. This is beautiful, isn't it? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. This is where, this is the place in the assembling of ourselves together that we are stirred up, that we consider one another and stirred up to love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Now, that's kind of alarming to me, that next phrase, as is the manner of some. Because this book wasn't written in 2014. The book of Hebrews, Hebrews was written somewhere around A.D. 65, before Jerusalem was, was burned with fire and destroyed in A.D. 70, and there was no longer... Uh, sacrifices because when this book was written, they were still in the middle of, of Judaism and making their animal sacrifices and all those things. So somewhere, maybe between 60 and 65 AD, this book was written. Now, when the Holy Spirit came, as is recorded in Acts chapter 2, the experience when they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, it was written uh, around 30 AD, 30 to 32 AD. All right, let's say 30. All right, let's say 30, and now 65. A period of 35 years, anywhere from 35 to 40 years, and already since its beginning, since it's the day the church was established in Acts chapter 2, 35 to 40 years later, already Christians are not making it their habit to assemble together. It's the... It's a constant that we have to have. Jesus had a custom, the scripture says, and he went to the synagogue as was his custom. Now listen, if Jesus needs church, we all kind of need it. Yeah. I mean, if, if he went around saying, I don't need the church, I am the church. I don't need to go to that building, I am the church. No, he went as was his custom. Paul went as was his custom. There's something about assembling ourselves together because we really get a glimpse of heaven in that way. 
Think about it. Just look around the room for a second. Come on. Make eye contact with people. You're with them forever. <laughs> forever. Forever. You might as well start liking it right now. Right here in this place. Amen. As is the manner of some. So, but exhorting, watch. Exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Oh, man. In this day and age, that day is a, this day is approaching a lot sooner than it was then. This day is that we're closer to it than we think. We ought to be gathering together all the more. All the more. Why? Get, getting ready for what we're going to be doing forever and ever. Yeah. Huh? Coming together more often and as much as we can because there's a time when that's just going to be our reality forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. But there's a testimony in the assembling of ourselves together. There's a corporate power and anointing that takes place that you can't get out there all by yourself. There's an encouragement and a strength that comes. As Derek was talking about, that body, the body comes together and all your parts of your body, it's so wonderful how the body works. It receives from itself and it gives to itself. All these parts are working. So you being here, you're receiving something, but you being here is also giving something. So you see how vital your place is here that when you're missing, then something is missing for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All as is the manner of some. Let's always let that be our manner that we gather together with the people of God to stir one another up to love and good works. Amen. Because this helps us stay focused on why we're really here. Why are we here? Why are we here? What are we here for? Well, we're here to we're here to exalt the Lord, aren't we? Yes, amen. Hmm? We are born to open our mouths and give him praise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Will we do that in heaven? Yes, amen. Will we do that in heaven? Amen. Sure we will. Yes. <laughs> What's another reason why we're here? To edify the church. Yes. To build one another up. Yes. Will we continue to encourage each other in heaven? Amen. Hmm? That's going to that's gonna transcend on into glory. We're also here to evangelize this world. Will that happen in heaven? No, it won't. No, it won't. So that is an extremely important thing for us to come together to realize we don't want to be the only ones in heaven. We want to take people with us. Yes. Because Jesus' reward is people. That sacrifice that he made for us is his, us going to heaven is his, not our reward, it's his reward. Yes. Hmm? So we're here to give Jesus as much of a reward as we can yeah. to evangelize this world to take those opportunities to share the gospel, to bring people into the house of God, to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel, however you want them to hear the gospel. Declare it, get them here, I'll tell it to them. Let's just do it together. Let's evangelize this world and let One Cause Church be a light that shines, hallelujah, all over this community, all in every facet, wherever you work, wherever you shop, wherever you go, that the gospel is heard.
Amen? Yeah. It's, really, yeah. it's really the main reason why we are still on planet Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Don't forget that, Christian. Don't forget that. Amen. Let's stand together. I hope you're enjoying this so far. I am thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying this series. Father, we love you. Let's just lift our hands to the Lord. God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your word that has come to us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Thank you that because Jesus is holy, we are holy. Therefore, we have hope of a resurrection. We have hope of everlasting life through him. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord that you became a man, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Hallelujah. That covenant was made when man's blood and God's blood came into that man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that when that blood was shed, all men, hallelujah, were reconciled to God. Hallelujah. And so we are here on this earth to, to tell men, be reconciled to God. Be believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again and you'll have everlasting life. We thank you for the saving power of the gospel. Lord, I thank you for those opportunities that we have. May we not miss those opportunities. May we not miss those people and overlook situations, God. But Lord, to be there, to be the answer, to bring the answer, Father, I thank you that you've called us here at this time on planet earth. For this reason, God, you've, you've made us a special people for a special purpose in this special place, in this special time. In the name of Jesus, help us to see and to seize the opportunities, God, to shine for your glory, God, to show your love to this world and to let our speech always be with grace. In the name of Jesus, we love you. Amen and amen. amen. Praise God. We love you guys very much. We'll see you Sunday. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We would like to invite you to one of our service times in either McKinney or Dallas. Sunday mornings in McKinney at 9.30 and 11, and Wednesday evenings at 7, and in Dallas, 10.30 Sunday mornings, and our 1 o'clock One Cause Dallas Espanol service. You can find out more information about our church at onecausechurch.com. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, there is also a link on the front page of our website.